much. Hey, so uh, we are wrapping up a series today. One thing I forgot to mention, uh, you guys might notice the beautiful art on the walls. That's really cool. So this art is going to be up um, for maybe another few days, and then we're actually going to have some different art coming in uh, early December. Lacey and Matthew, who uh, usually just serve their hearts out to really help uh, artwork uh, happen and get facilitated, um, are going to be traveling and have a well-earned break in store for themselves on uh, December. And so we're really looking for a few people to uh, be sort of on call, be present, uh, at least at the beginning, and then maybe another shift uh, kind of in the middle towards the end. Uh, Art Walk tends to go from about 6 p.m. to about 9 p.m. where we're open, but there's a little bit of prep time in the beginning to get the signs out and just make sure people know we're here and, and kind of get things set up, make sure the lights are turned on. Uh, without, the, without the music and without the... Um, without giving any, like, really free food away or anything like that. It should be actually quite a bit less work. It's really just putting out the signs and welcoming people to be here. But uh, if you would want to be a person who's kind of outgoing and friendly, likes meeting people, uh, and would be willing to represent Jesus by just being, like, a a friendly, warm person, uh, boy, would you let me know that you want to be here? Because uh, we could really use use your committed uh, time just for a, a couple hours on Friday night, December 3rd. Uh, and so I just want to make sure that everybody's uh, invited that. We do need volunteers. If you let me know in the contact form or just send me a text or, or let me know, hey, I want to do that, that would be really excellent. Okay, today we're wrapping up our emotional maturity series, and then Kara is going to um, start a series uh, over the next four weeks for Advent. Uh, Advent, by the way, is the, is the season before Christmas, so there's kind of a season of preparation before Christmas and a season of preparation before Easter. Advent. Uh, is the season of, of fasting and prayer and preparation that comes before the season of celebration for Christmas. And much like Lent is the season of fasting and prayer and preparation before the, season, or before the um, celebration of Easter. But today, uh, we're going to be talking about being a holy community. And I don't know what you think about holy. I had to get at least one dad joke in there. I don't know if anybody's seen uh, Charlie Brown, but, you know, Charlie Brown's had some trouble with his costume, with his ghost costume for, uh, for, for Halloween and the Great Pumpkin. And he, poor guy, he just always gets a rock. Uh, holy is a weird word. It's a word that we don't really use very often. It doesn't actually mean something with a lot of holes in it. Uh, holy, uh, we'll talk more about what holiness is, but I think oftentimes holiness uh, can get a little bit misused or misunderstood. It, it comes across as holier than thou. But I think we also kind of have a, a sense of knowing a holy person or a holy life when we hear about it. Like, when you think about Mother Teresa, like now Saint Teresa, like that's, a, that's maybe a good picture of a holy life, right? Like a saintly life, like a life that is humble, full of service, really dedicated to God, caring for others. Uh, another life that I would really highlight, and oh, it looks like it's got a timer on. Well, that's good. That, that little timer will keep me moving. Um, John Perkins is a voice that I really think that every white American Christian uh, should be listening to, uh, especially in the, in the eve tide of his life. He's, he's in his 90s. I don't know how long we'll have him around with us still, but uh, this man is a legend and, and really has lived a very holy life. Um, that, that quote, that picture isn't just some random person. That's, that's an actual 
live human being. Thank you. Thank you for keeping me moving. Anyway, check out John Perkins. Check out uh, uh, the uh, Christian Community Development Association. And there are a lot of really great resources, especially if you're looking to maybe not give your kids the kind of uh, whitewashed version of Thanksgiving that maybe some of us inherited. I would really recommend any resources about that uh, that come from uh, Christian Community Development Association. Uh, it's a very diverse organization uh, in its leadership and uh, with people who have skin in the game, um, who are really uh, connected in all those things, all right? So uh, as we've been talking about uh, being an emotionally mature community, uh, you know, we've, we've said a lot of things about what that is, right? We've, we've kind of been in this series for a while, you know? We want to be people who are honest. We want to be people who are responsible, who, who are willing to make commitments and keep them. Who, who, who say the things that we mean and follow through on our words, right? Giving our word to something would mean something if we were mature and responsible. That we're, we're self-aware. We have some kind of idea about who we are, what's going on inside of us, how our emotions are happening. Uh, and, uh, you know, that is going to make us humble, right? I hope. I hope if we're actually self-aware, if we actually kind of know what's going on on the inside, uh, then that's going to make us humble. And that, that hopefully should help us be a little bit more curious, about others and like maybe maybe less like just prone to like jump into conflict but maybe kind of start from more of a humble loving place of asking questions um you know clearly we have to continue to say what's true that we we don't get along that we that we don't uh always do what we say we're going to do that we're not always um that we're not always right that we're not always good and confession is a part of that that helps us grow that helps us stay encouraging to one another uh and that Hopefully, as God is, is, is touching our hearts, we become people who are loving, we become people who are brave, who are willing to confront, that we're willing to have healthy conflict, uh, and through all this process, that God makes us holy. Now, you can see how a lot of these are kind of interrelated, you can see how a lot of these kind of play into each other, and you can see how they don't really have necessarily like an order, right? Like they all can kind of happen concurrently, and but hopefully these are all attributes that people who are emotionally mature should have. And I think it's worth reflecting on, just as we kind of bring this series to a close, that uh, I, I at least feel I could grow in every one of those areas. And there are a lot of ways in which, uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of other ways I could grow too. You know, these are just sort of like, 10 that we came up with. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of ways that we still have to grow as people. And so as we read this little passage from James, this is supposed to inspire us to uh, be, be diligent and continue doing the work, continue doing the stuff that's going to help us become these kind of people. It's going to help us become people who know what's going on inside ourselves and who are on the path to change and growth. So I want to read this. Uh, I want to read this. Uh, just I, I'm so excited about the First Nations version, and I think it's so appropriate this time of year to really take a look uh, from other perspectives. We're going to read, which is the New International Version. I kind of just grew up on the NIV. That's sort of like, to me, it's like the the least controversial Bible, right? Um, but I also want to read it in this other version, just because I feel like it can kind of unlock some things. And this is a this is a trick you can do at home too when you're studying the Scripture. You don't know Greek, you don't know Hebrew, that's fine. You can still get a lot out of the scriptures. And it has never been easier to access through apps and the, and the internet and all kinds of things, lots of different interpretations 
of the Scripture in lots of different translations. Uh, and I would just recommend that to you as a, as, a, as a way to study the Bible in your own. Maybe like read the passage once in one translation and then read it again in another translation. So we're just going to practice that together right now. So here's, how, here's what it says in James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. I've got to go back a verse. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's read it again in the First Nations Version. Knowing this, my much-loved family members, we, all, we must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For human anger will not take us down the path of Creator's right ways. So scrape off all the mud of your evil ways and humbly receive the message that the Great Spirit has planted deep within you. This will set your heart free and make your mind whole. It's really having trouble with verse 22 for some reason. But make sure you do not fool yourselves. You must not only hear this message, you must also walk in its truth. For if you only hear but fail to walk true to the message, you're like a man who sees his own face reflected in a pool of water, and then right after looking at himself, he walks away and forgets what he looks like. But take a good long look into the perfect way of life, the law of love that sets people free. Stay true to its message, not forgetting what you have heard, but walking in all its ways, and Creator's blessing will rest on all you do. All who represent themselves as spiritual, but do not keep their tongue under control, are only fooling themselves. Their spirituality is worthless. But the one whose spirituality is pure and spotless before our Father, the Great Spirit, takes care of widows and orphans and keeps himself free from the evil ways of this world. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that just as these words come to us, that they will indeed sink deeply into our hearts and that we will receive them. And that we will choose to trust and obey you. And the world has a lot of trauma 
And the church is full of people who have been traumatized who also pass on that trauma. But God, that is not what you are about. Lord, you've come to set us free. You are the creator who sets us free. So Lord, we want to trust you and agree with you and allow you to make us holy this morning. God, I pray that we would walk away changed by what you have spoken and the word that you've planted in our hearts today. I just ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just kind of reminding us what holiness is. It's not having holes in things, right? To be holy is to be set apart. To be holy is to be consecrated. It's, it's like, it's different, right? It's, it's, it's set aside for a purpose. Maybe one way that we experience this this time of year is like, uh, I don't know if you have like fancy dishes that you only get out for Thanksgiving dinner, um, but that, that might be a way to think about it. It's like, you know, we don't get the china out. We don't get the, we don't get the fancy plates out. Uh, except like once or twice a year for, for special occasions. That, that, those fancy plates are for fancy meals, for fancy things. Uh, maybe another way you might think of it is like if you decorate your holiday, if you decorate your house for Christmas. Like you don't, well, I mean, hopefully we don't keep our Christmas tree up in July, right? Like we might fudge and maybe not get it taken down until like mid-January, February sometimes maybe, right? But but, for, but I think we have this idea, you know, like those decorations, that stuff is for Christmas. It's not for all year long. Like it's a special thing, right? It's, it's set apart. It's consecrated. It has a purpose, and we use it for that purpose, right? And so when things are, are holy, they're set apart. They're other. They're special. They are something that we set aside uh, and only use in a certain way. And so God is holy, right? Not in the sense that we only use God for certain ways, but God is holy in the sense that God is totally other, right? It's kind of like looking into the sun, right? If you stare straight into the sun, that warmth and that source of all the, all the life on the earth will actually blind you in its pure form, in its pure state. It's, it's other. It is like we can't live on that flaming ball of gas, right? In fact, if you even get too close uh, we would all incinerate. We would all burn up. We couldn't live on Mercury or on Venus. They're too close to the sun. And so this idea that God is holy, God is set apart. God's people are supposed to be holy. They're supposed to be set apart. They're supposed to be consecrated for God's purposes. Another idea connected to holiness is this idea of wholeness, this idea of being complete, to being without blemish or uh, to be, to be uh, whole, to be not broken, to be a, a, a complete thing, to not have need. God doesn't have any need. God is complete and whole in himself. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have anything uh, that, is, that is broken about him. He's, he's, and he's totally good. You know, it's not the case that we're going we're gonna, to, you know, after the resurrection, we, we enter the presence of God, you know, maybe St. Peter's at the gate or whatever, and we come in, it's this beautiful garden, there's lush, you know, fruit everywhere, all of our needs are provided for, we don't feel any emotional uh, shame or guilt, like we're, we're, we're in love with everybody, and then, uh, and then like Jesus sneaks out from behind a, uh, behind a tree and like punches us in the face and steals our wallet, right? That's not, that's not who God is, like God is only good, God is totally good, there's no sneakiness, there's no... There's no uh, ulterior motive, uh, like God's only good, right? And so 
if we're holy people, we ought to be uh, morally good. We ought to have good morality. We, might, we want to be not sneaky. And so maybe when you think about those ideas and when you kind of look back at this list and you think, man, I, I am not a very responsible person. Oh, no. And I don't know, man, I can't measure any growth that's happened in my life recently. I feel like I've just been in survival mode. And I'm a coward. So often I just don't, I don't pray for anybody or I don't, I don't engage in healthy conflict. Like I just avoid it. I'm just a people pleaser and I, you know, and I don't start curiously. I come, I come in like hot, ready to blame and ready to have a fight, you know, and I just, maybe you kind of look at this list and it, it's easy to get discouraged, right? Like when we start to talk about are we actually mature people? Are we people who are becoming holy? Are we people who are like this? Uh, it's easy to see a lot of ways in which we're not, right? Confessing is built in, right? It's part of the game. And the good news, the gospel this morning, what I hope will, will come to you as a sense of relief, as a sense of, of, of releasing the pressure, as, as saying the pressure is off you, uh, and I hope is the context in which we talk about all this stuff is that, that uh, Jesus is the one who makes us holy. That we don't make ourselves holy. That is something that happens to us. It is something that God does on our behalf. Today, the kids upstairs are learning about Passover. The Passover story is, is the story of God delivering uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt. And I thought the little video that, that went along with that lesson did a really good job of relating the Passover lamb to the idea of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus makes us holy. He's the one who takes away our sins. When John sees Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because, uh, you know, Passover is sort of like Jewish Thanksgiving, right? It's like the big meal. It's the big ceremonial meal that you, that you uh, eat to tell this story. It's also like Jewish, uh, it's also like Jewish Fourth of July, Right? It's the birth of, of their uh, national pride. Their national, like, this is when Israel became a nation when they came out of Egypt through the Passover. Uh, it's also like the most important religious holiday. It's like, it's like Christmas and Easter. Right? It's all of these things. And the idea is that Jesus was celebrating a Passover on the night he was betrayed, and he says, I'm the lamb. Right? My body is about to be broken for you, and my blood will be poured out and whenever you eat this meal, I want you to remember my great love for you. And he's saying that to Judas, and he's saying that to Peter, and he's saying it to all the cowards that ran. It's Jesus who makes us holy. It's not something that we do. It's something that God does for us. He delivers us through his own sacrifice. He makes a way for us where there was no way that we could have made for ourselves. It's the grace of God at work in us that makes us holy and that helps us to stay on the path, to be able to continue to grow in Christ. The way in is the way on. We come in by grace, right? We come in by confessing and saying, God, we need you to save us. And the way we keep going is we keep doing that. We keep saying, God, I, you know, I found this other spot that I need you to save me in. I, ne- I need you to change me here. I need you Help me here. And that's, that's the context of everything else I'm going to say. And so if you, don't, if you walk away today feeling like, oh, Josh, you kind of beat us up, I'm so sorry. I've failed. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that would be bad. Um, but t- today, everything I say has to be understood in, in the light of the cross, 
in, in remembering our baptism, in remembering that we are redeemed and saved by Jesus' work and not our own. That said, it's good for us to think about how that happens. And that happens in an ongoing relationship of trust in which we continue to make choices. We either make choices that reflect that truth that God has saved us, or we don't. And over time, as we continue to make those choices, that's how God forms his character in us. That's how we move towards maturity. That's how we move towards wholeness, and that's how we move towards becoming people who are set apart, who are different, who live in a way that is other. And so James is kind of reminding us this when he says, do not, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't only listen and know, do. And this is where Western Christianity has uh, done some interesting gymnastics with the theology to get us way off course. Right? People who are really committed to doing the words and works of Jesus uh, don't, like, don't make mass graves. That's, that, that's not how that works. Like if, if, people are, if people are actually doing the things that God commands, if we're actually involved in, in, in trying to speak and act in such a way that we actually love those around us, we're not going to do harm to others. We'll resolve tension. There will be relief and peace and, a, and a, uh, probably an absorption of pain and a relief of anxiety for others that we might bear a cost for, but, uh, but we're not going to be going around harming others. We have to not only listen and know, we also have to do Jesus says it this way. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Every man, oh, come on. But everyone who does not hear these words of mine, or everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Becoming holy requires obedience, and obedience is the measurable evidence of that trust. You want to know, do you trust God? Look at what you do. Do you act like a person who trusts God? Do you do the things that a person who trusts God does? Do we, as people, give our time to the service of the kingdom? Do we give our financial means to those in need and to the work of God? Do we uh, participate in paying attention to God and letting him form our character in our heart? Do we let others confront us about areas of weakness and Make intentional choices to work on those things. Right? Obedience is the measurable evidence of trust. And I want to be clear here. That this measurable evidence of trust, it, it can't be coerced. Like, trust can't be coerced. You can't force someone to obey God in a meaningful and faith-filled way. Right? You can't twist somebody's arm. That's not how God works with us. God works through invitation. 
God invites, and He's not going to make you do it. You're not ever going to heal the sick without your informed consent. It's not just going to happen to you. If you want to live a life that looks like Jesus and pray and see God heal somebody the way that Jesus did, the way that His early disciples did, then you're going to have to choose to participate in that. We have to become people who are willing to look foolish to the world, maybe look even foolish to ourselves, who trust that God can work through us because it's God's power at work in us, not our own wisdom, not our own might, and not our own power. It has to be something that we decide that we want to do, and God won't make it happen for us. It is something that we get to participate in, and it is a joy to see people healed, to see people delivered, to see people saved, and to see that happen in us, but it's not something that God will force to happen. I think another thing that's really important in this verse, uh, in these little verses, is just this idea that it is not only actions, but also words, right? Actions and our words really matter. I think sometimes, you know, I think because in, in church history in, in the West, we have focused so much on understanding and so little on doing that we say it's the actions, it's all about the actions, you know? Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Okay, you know, I can see where that's coming from. I understand, but I, I didn't get saved without words. And I don't come to understand Jesus without somebody telling me, like, about him, using biblical language, telling me the story of God. And I don't, I don't come to know, I didn't come to know Jesus just through people, like, mutely being quiet around me and, like, I don't know, waving and being nice, right? Like, that's, that's absurd. That's ridiculous, right? Like, like, our words have a profound meaning, and they matter. And James says this. He says that those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. If we think we're pious, but the people around us are constantly getting hurt, People are afraid to talk to us. Uh, there's something wrong. There's an invitation from Jesus to grow. There's an invitation from Jesus to you know, maybe be brave and to, to have healthy conflict, but to do that in a way that is gentle, to do that in a way that's kind, to do that in a way that is seasoned with the flavoring of Jesus. You know, one of the things I love about Thanksgiving is... Uh, you get all these vegetables that are infused with turkey, right? Like you, get the, you take the drippings from the, you roast it in the pan, you get all this, you get that carrot, and you eat that carrot, and it's like, oh, it's a turkey carrot. It's delicious, right? It's got that, it's got that infused, rich flavor to it. Christians ought to be infused with the flavor of Jesus. And our words ought to be infused with the flavor of Jesus, and the smell, and the fragrance, the aroma of Christ. We need to be people who slow down enough, who let ourselves take a minute before we react and post, who are willing to maybe appear strange or awkward before others and take a breath and respond in a way that we can, we can say, I, I really believe those words that I'm saying. And I'll just, I'll just be honest. I, I know that I have often been without tact 
And that is really dangerous for a pastor. And I'm, I'm sorry for what will happen to you being in relationship with me if it hasn't already happened. <laughs> okay? Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I, like, our words matter. And it's important for us to choose them carefully. Okay? That matters. So it's, word, it's actions and words. And then finally, just this, this idea that, you know, it's not only, it's not only the ideas, but it's, it's something that happens, and it's something that happens outwardly focused, right? Okay, so religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think we've kind of we've hit that being polluted by the world side of it pretty hard so far, like, being a holy person, being set apart, being other, not being like everybody else. Don't, don't just become an angry Republican. Don't just become an angry Democrat. Don't just become a, uh, you know, a lazy American. But to fully embrace Jesus' agenda for our life in the way that we act, in the way that we talk around Thanksgiving table with, parent, with, with family, whatever, right? We get that idea. And... One of the ways that you'll know that you're doing that is that you are looking outward. You're looking to people who are being ignored. You're looking to people who have great need, who are, who are in need of God's mercy in tangible ways as well as the spiritual ways that everyone deals with. Right? We want to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. We want to care for the poor. Holiness that is not compassionate is really empty. True holiness is compassionate. It's reaching outward, and it is obsessed with the mission of Jesus to heal and save every human heart. Okay? And so I want to just offer a couple action steps. Back on these little tables, we've got, um, we've got contact cards, which is a really great way to get connected to the church and let us know you're interested in serving. Uh, we're starting to look at the spring uh, service calendar and... Uh, you know, the church runs 100% on generosity in terms of time and, and volunteer hours. Like, it, if people don't give, if people don't serve, then we literally don't exist. And so, uh, if you believe in this thing and you want to serve and give and participate, we, we need what you have to give. And maybe you look at the kind of major service areas that we have and you say, I'm not sure where I fit into all those. That's okay. We'll figure something out. We'll, get, we'll figure out a way that you get to play. In this church, everybody gets to play. But back there also, there are some of uh, these little three-column study things, and I've been using this, and um, this has really rocked my world with just how simple it is and how profoundly challenging it is while being super basic, right? So the idea here is, uh, this is pretty simple, and you can grab one of these or a, a couple of these on your way out. I found this to be really useful in terms of getting me off of my screen and, and praying in a way that is not distracted by notifications. So like using a paper Bible is really good with this, or maybe I'll do this part with a screen and then I, I try to put my phone across the room. But this is a really great way to, maybe before you binge on Netflix at the end of the day, take a minute to, to take a, a passage of scripture. And this could just be like one of the little headings in your paper Bible, or this could be like a parable of Jesus, or one chapter, or less than a chapter, one verse, whatever you want to do. And you write that word for word. You just copy it in this first column. And there's something about that note-taking physical activity of actually writing it down that really slows my brain down and helps me think about the words. And I've just found that to be like, I mean, it's so basic, right? Like, but it, 
I'm finding that this is shaping me. This is changing me. And then I try to take the, the second question is like, what does it mean, right? Now, most of Western Christianity, as we talked about this day, today ad nauseum, most of Christianity only lives in these two paragraphs, right? It only lives in these two columns, and that causes a lot of problems, okay? But where all the money is, where all the, where all the good stuff is, where the real growth happens is in this third one right here. And it says, what will you do to obey? What will you actually do? So you're, you're reading the scripture, God's speaking to you, giving you interpretation, so now what? What do you do with that? How do you put that into place? How do I take what I'm hearing from God and turn that into action? And the challenge is to write a statement that begins with the two words, I will. And to try to make it as concrete as possible. We want to try and write things down here that are, uh, that are concrete. Like, I will know if I did them or not. So, like, I will become a more loving person. I will, I will text a, a family member every day this week. I'll know if I did that or not, right? I will, I will pray for such and such person that came to mind for seven days every day in a row. I'm going to put a reminder in my calendar to do that, and I'm going to do that. Right? That's, a good, that's a better statement because it's, it's got some teeth in it, right? You know if you did it or not, okay? And then... And here's, here's where it gets really challenging, and this is something I, frankly, I'm not totally great at yet, okay? Um, honestly, I'm not very great at a lot of this, but, but it says, with my share. The idea here is that, that God isn't just speaking to us for our own benefit or for our own spiritual growth or our own spiritual edification, but God is speaking to us and through us for others, right? For orphans, for widows, for neighbors, for family members, for our kids maybe, and, and that God is speaking to us so that we will have something to give. And writing that down and making commitments to follow through on that can be a powerful tool in our toolbox as we journey on this road to holiness. The other thing I will say is that um, participating in this church and giving in this church um, is one way that we can be kind to orphans and widows and people who have needs. So, um, you'll see we have the offering box here, and, and anything that goes in there we're assuming is given to the general fund unless you write specifically otherwise benevolence or you know, if you want to give to some other kind of specific uh, initiative or thing that we're doing, let us know that, and we'll, we'll put that where it goes. But there's another box by the door outside that says, Remember the Poor on it. And what that, what that is for is that goes into our benevolence fund. And so our benevolence fund is uh, a fund that we keep. It's money that we set aside that is only for meeting needs in our community. People need food or they need shelter or they need a bus ticket so they can get to their support network so that they can access that support that they have. Or uh, people are just having tough times. They want to help mow the lawn and they, you know, get a tank of gas or something like that, right? Um, this is a way that we can, as a community, pool those resources and have an abundance to share. And I would just encourage you to pray about what does God want you to give beyond what you give to keep the lights on. And I will be honest and just say it it takes some money to pay for this building and to keep the lights on. And we've got to do some repairs. There's, There's some kind of deferred maintenance. We try not to waste money on stuff. You might have noticed this isn't like the fanciest place. Right, but uh, but even this place takes takes some cash just to keep the utilities going and 
um, so that I can afford to do this and my family doesn't starve, right? Um, but uh, beyond that, we want to we want to have we want to have an abundance to share. And so, if you want to give specifically into that sharing fund, we call that the benevolence fund. And I would encourage you to pray about making um, some donations to that or or giving to that specifically, if you like. Okay. All right. So there's two really practical ways. I know that's like a super kind of uninspiring place to land, but uh, we need to pray for each other. So would you stand?